to another episode of Chapter Chat. My name is Carrie Ebert and I will be joined tonight by my good friend Mike from At Grow Now Therapy and we are going to chat um, about another chapter in the book for our online book club. So thank you for joining us. Mike and I are excited to be doing another episode together. Here, Here we is. are. How's it going? How's Mike? it going? You know, I can't complain. How about you? It's going good. I'm I'm just here for the booze, though. Uh, yes. Did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. I'm like, I had to wear this because it'll be perfectly Halloween. done. I know it's next Monday night. Halloween will be over. Oh, before I forget, Mike, I have to tell you, and Mike doesn't know this yet, but next Monday night, the Chiefs play and Lord knows yes. the Chiefs are playing terrible, but I will not be available next Monday night um, for chapter chat. So if we can reschedule. You look at your schedule and see if we could do Wednesday or Thursday night, whatever. And do you know who the Chiefs are playing? Oh, no. Is it, is it the Eagles? It is not the Eagles. I am not an Eagles fan. Steelers. Who is it? Mm -hmm. oh, they, are, they are playing my favorite team. Who? I don't even know who we're playing. I didn't look they at the schedule. They are playing the New York football giants. Okay, so we have we may have to have a little wager on this game. Yeah, yeah. So it is. <laughs> so it is. Well, I am definitely. First of all, the New York Giants are so bad and have <laughs> been so bad for the past 10 years. So, and the Chiefs are amazing, let's be honest. They're having a bit of a rough start. Oh, A bit of a rough start. Mm. So, I'm a, I'm a huge football guy. Love well, football. Well, me too. We, we love football, too. My fantasy, love football. Um, my fantasy team tonight, I need to score, like, seven or eight points to win. So, I'm, like, on edge. Okay, like, I need okay. Alvin Kamara. I need him. Yes. I, 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 a big I, one tonight. I, I, need, I need two points from Alvin Kamara. Oh, and I, well, and I, I need, like, so. eight or nine. <laughs> it is. So, oh, we're good. Kamara's amazing. You should send me your team. I would love to, I would I love will. to see that. I actually will. I will. Yeah. So, you see if we could do. Um, a different day next week either I don't know you look and see what we're I was doing. actually going to text you and be like hey can we do a different <laughs> night next week because so the Giants finally won this past weekend okay the Chiefs are kind of in a bit of a downfall yeah I Mahomes, think you're looking good Mahomes is hurt there's no way in hell that the Chief, that the Giants can beat the Chiefs oh that, I don't know coming this from is a, your coming, year coming from a Giants fan Trust yeah, me, there yeah. is no way. So the Giants, the Giants have the Chiefs on Monday night, uh -huh. and then two weeks later they have Tom Brady and the Bucks on oh, Monday night, and yeah. it's going to be two blowouts. Well, you don't know that. You don't know that. So, anyway, we'll get <laughs> off of our topic of football. So Mike and I will post uh, when we're going to do chapter chat next week, but it will not be Monday night because Mike and I will be busy watching football. Very. That's intense. right. Yeah, uh, yes, and, yes, yes. and it starts right at eight o'clock. So yep, it does. So, so we'll be there. Very good. Very good. So other than that, how was your week? Other, I mean, everything good? It was a good week. Yeah. Uh, took the baby over to the clinic on Saturday. So you oh. know, kind of letting her kind of play around and get it. comfortable there. It. And the clinic is really coming together. It's uh, really, it's really I looking have really. To come out and see yes. it sometime. I, I'm, eventually I need to do like a video, like almost like a walkthrough of it. You need but to. I can't wait just, to see it. It's so nice to have our own space, not sharing it with somebody. That's wonderful. Uh, and it's just so good for the older students, you know, to have you a bet. place for, to have a place for the older students with no, theirs. with no kidney shaped tables anywhere or, <laughs> you know, like different, you know. You, it, 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 it's a it's a speech clinic with no pop the pig no exactly. Ned, no no Ned's head it's a nice it's a nice place to go no rainbow colored no rain yeah 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 yep. so it's, so the so the teens who go there don't feel like self conscious like why yeah. do I have to do this they go and great. they're comfortable I do I don't think there's any reason to infantilize our older students who are in speech therapy so I I applaud you yeah I, uh, and 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 they would all and and previously when we shared a space. So we shared a space with an OT and a PT that worked mostly with very young kids. And the teens who would come for Grow Now would be like, what is this place? There's uh -huh. babies. There's babies right. here. Even though I don't want to like, go there. Yeah, yeah, even though they were like nine. So it was just like, it's, it, it's, it's hard for them. And it's, and, and it's their after school. And they want, to, they want to be doing things. They want to be in yeah. their comfort zone, you know? I love it. And then, it. so now to be in a space now where, you know, there's like, we have, a, we have basketball hoops. We, mm -hmm. have, uh, we have a golf net in there. Perfect. It's, it's, it's really, really cool. Well, I can't wait to see it. I think it sounds fabulous. So, yeah, and, and I got to come to Kansas City. How about, uh, how, we about gotta, who, how about whoever wins on Monday 
that person has, has to, to go, travel. has to travel. Let's I'm do that. I'm all about it. Okay. This is going to be great. <laughs> so stay tuned, everybody. We'll see who wins the bet. So uh, we are reading, if you are new to Chapter Chat, the book we are reading. This is our third book of our new online book club. And what Mike and I do is we read the chapter for you because everybody's so busy that it is hard to uh, find time sometimes to read reference books. So Mike and I are doing the reading. We're doing the hard part. I know many of you are joining along. And then what we do every week is we summarize uh, one chapter. So we are reading Most Likely to Succeed, Preparing Our Kids for the Innovation Era by Tony Wagner and Ted Dintersmith. Somebody mm -hmm. asked earlier if the previous episodes are available and they are, uh, they are available two places. You can go to my Instagram page, uh, at Carrie Ebert seminars and go find the videos. They're all recorded and, and, and posted, but you can also listen to them on as a podcast on Mike. Is it Spotify and Apple? Spotify podcast. and Apple, Spotify yeah. and Apple. Uh, and, and, and the very, uh, very kind woman who transfers them from Instagram live to podcasts always fills me in on all the unique downloads, oh. which is basically, so, so there's a lot of people that download it, listen to a piece of it, and then have to download it again and listen to the other half. So a unique download is one unique person, one unique okay. Apple, Apple ID. And every single week, that number is growing and growing. And, and we have someone here. So grateful for the podcasts. Great. So it's, Great. It's, it blows my mind. We have listeners in Australia, listeners in Japan, yeah. listeners, listeners all over the world listening to these podcasts. And, I know we have uh, some in Greece. Yeah. In Greece. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. it's so it's so cool to have it there because it's basically there forever. Yeah, uh, and, and for and whoever wants saved, to listen, yeah. And it's, it's right there. So, so I, I know SLPs love podcasts and parents love podcasts. Yep. So having, having them there is awesome. And, and it, blo it blows my mind how many people actually download it and listen to it in their free time. That's amazing. That's it's amazing. Awesome. I will have to say that when Mike and I first talked about doing this, I was like, Maybe we should make them really short, like, you know, 20, 30 minutes. Well, <laughs> that was the original plan. <laughs> yeah. Well, as you'll find that we struggle to keep it in an hour. So I kind of want to apologize. I'm very verbose. Uh, but Mike and I also feed off each other. And the books that we've chosen so far, I mean, I would love some feedback from our, our listeners who have been been here uh, since the beginning, but I think they are just packed full of intense information that really sparks a lot of conversation. So um, we try to keep it at an hour if we're going to do our best. So we are in the middle of chapter four. Last week we started chapter four, but this chapter is like, what did I say? Like 70 some pages long. It was yeah. insanely long. So we are starting on page 102 and this chapter is called the formative years, K through 12. And, um, we talked about math basically the entire uh, podcast or the uh, entire episode last week. Yeah. Right? I mean, the whole thing was just about, about math. And now we're going to get into um, English. And because we are both speech language pathologists, um, why don't you guys uh, let us know if you're an SLP? Uh, if you're joining us, I would love to type in if you're an SLP. It's always nice yeah, to know. Yeah, put that have... little emoji where you raise your hand. Yeah, raise your up, hand. Put like a if... thumbs up, put an emoji. If you're send, an SLP. Send some of those hearts if we got some SLPs out yeah, there. Yeah, and if you're not, tell us what you are. We'd love to know who we're talking to. So, yeah, definitely just type in and let us know. Mike can kind of, and I can see the, the uh, comments scrolling down at the bottom. Uh, but so on page 102, we start talking about English. And Every week I bring this up because this was new to me to learn that our current education system, the whole format of it began in 1893. And so this uh, a, a section of chapter four starts out. The 1893 charter of the English uh, class was to prepare students for the industrial economy. Are we all clear that we are no longer living in the industrial economy, right? We are living in the innovation era, if you will. We are living in the digital age. We are living in the age of information, where information is readily available at your fingertips, right? And so it's just fascinating to me uh, that we still use an education system that was developed in the 1890s, okay? And that is the foundation for our education system. It's really fascinating. Reading this book uh, really sheds into light just how bleak things are. So, you know, we started with how children succeed and it was a lot of, you know, nice success stories. We, then we moved on to finish lessons two and we learned about a, a country that actually knows how to do it correctly. And this book, <laughs> this book, it's unbelievable. So, so they, they go on and on and on. And like basically this, this entire chapter was 
paragraph after par paragraph after paragraph of how bad things are in America, then there'll be two sentences about what Finland does. Right. So, it, <laughs> so it, it's, it's just, it's unbelievable how outdated it is. And there was one word that was used in here. I believe it was educrats, right? Oh, so yes. So Instead of like bureaucrats. Yeah, yeah. but okay. educrats. So they used that term to describe what has happened in education in this country. And that's literally the only way to describe it. Yeah. It's the companies that are making the tests that have changed oh. what school is. And yep. everything about school is about testing, 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 yep. standardized testing. Don't teach something unless it can be measured. Right. Don't teach something unless it fits into a multiple choice test. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and now we know in today's world, uh, especially today's instant gratification screen-based world, right. what we are doing to our kids, we're seeing skyrocketing ADHD, skyrocketing ADD, yep. skyrocketing sensory, skyrocketing executive anxiety, dysfunction. dysfunction yeah. All of it. And, yeah. and, and what's the common denominator here? Yes, an increase in screens, but also school has become not only a massive non-preferred task, but it's also, <laughs> become, it's also become an anxiety-producing task. Absolutely. I just real quickly, before we talk about um, the second half of Chapter 4, uh, the, I think you and I both had this starred on page 96 where it said, there is an inherent conflict between what's best for our kids and what's best for the organization selling tests, textbooks, and test prep materials. Yep. And I think that that yep. is something that, you know, Mike and I, I have continued to uh, reiterate in every book we've read so far is that there is big money in testing, right? And so um, I think that, and it comes up again in this second half of chapter four. So how many of you guys remember hearing that, you know, school is all about teaching the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Like whoever came up with that, I mean, I was going to say, I don't, even, ridiculous. I don't even know. It is ridiculous. But um, so what we're going to talk about is two of the three R's. We talked about arithmetic last week, and now we're going to talk about reading and writing. And what I find so absolutely fascinating on page 102 is that it says, a century ago, Books were expensive. So schools and districts standardized judiciously. Let's be clear that all of this standardization, okay, is based on the fact that it was very expensive and very difficult to even get textbooks. So guess who was the only source of instruction? Who was the only source of information? Ah, it was the teacher. So since the teacher was a student's only source of instructions, students in a class had to work on identical assignments. Okay, identical assignments. Copy machines and computers didn't exist. So the only person who could review the student work was the teacher. So in order to make it more time efficient for the teacher, they had to make sure that everything was exactly the same, that every student was learning exactly the same thing. Don't and you find that fascinating? And what's the key word in that sentence? Century. Century. A century ago, <laughs> a century ago, yep. what happened in schools is yeah. still happening today. So and and I'm, last I'm, week, I hate to interrupt you, Mike, but last yeah. week, remember we talked about if um, the DMV was in charge of education, yep. Yep. Um, you know, uh, uh, that we, if the DMV uh, would, or if the DMV ran um, their, their agency like uh, education does, uh, you would still be required to learn how to crank start a Model T in order to get your driver's license. Like that's how far behind the times we are in education because we're still using an education model from 1893. Sorry to interrupt, but I just, for those people who are new, I wanted to reiterate that. So a century ago, everybody had to read the same books because books were expensive and teachers were the only source of knowledge. Okay. I'm going to take a wild guess here. and I'm going to say that nobody here tonight was in school a century ago. <laughs> I think wild guess. Right about hope that, I don't, yeah. hope I don't offend anybody, <laughs> but, but overall, overall, tell me, did ever did you read the same books so think about it when you were in school whenever you guys were in school did you and your entire class read the exact same books did you guys read the iliad did you guys read the odyssey did you guys read 
uh, Lord of the Flies? Mm -hmm. Did you guys read, you know, Animal we, Farm? We all probably read the exact same books, all yep. of us. Regardless of when, because Mike, when did you graduate high school? Let's just 2005. Oh, good Lord, you're a freaking baby. <laughs> all right. Yep. So I graduated high school. I got to take these off. I look old. Um, in 1989. So um, I graduated with my undergrad in 1993. My graduate in 1995. So um, yeah, and yet I bet you and I read basically the same, the, the same exact books same in high school. Yeah, and learned yeah. basically the same history and yep. learned, you know, the same, took probably uh, many of the, of the same classes. So I think it's fair to say that our education system is not evolving as our society is changing and developing. Yeah, and everyone, we have some people here writing. Go ahead and say, what year did you graduate? Yes, and, I love and it. And start, start to list some of the books that you read in high school. Oh, Let's I would love that. to see that. Let's see the similarities. So, yeah. so I can tell you, I, we read Lord of the Flies. Yep. We How read about Animal uh, Farm? That's one an I remember. Animal Farm, Farm, definitely. All the Shakespeare, um, you know, I mean, when I, in like one of my lit classes, we read a lot of Shakespeare. Yeah, it, a lot of Romeo and Juliet. Everyone yep. reads Romeo uh -huh. and Juliet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I would love to hear. Like, what, what Fahrenheit four. 51 all uh, the same ones yeah, all the yeah, same yeah, stuff it, it's 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 ridiculous so so what happened a century ago is still happening today right right and right. what these authors are teaching us is that is done by design that right. is not a mistake so we learned in finland teachers make their curriculum Right. Teachers up and they collaborate with other make, teachers and other schools to make sure that they have the best of the best and that if they have a great idea that they're sharing it because in Finland there isn't competition there's collaboration so their entire education system is structured on cooperation and collaboration whereas our education system is structured on you know, um, blue, what I, what I, a blue ribbon schools. Remember Mike, when I texted oh, you goodness. that and said, these yep. are the schools in Missouri that earned blue ribbon status. And so it's all about competition. There is no collaboration. Every school is out for their, you know, only cares about their own and trying to get better test scores than the school next door. Uh, so I love that. I'm seeing you guys, you're killing me with all of yeah, these books. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, to kill a mockingbird, but somebody tequila, wrote tequila, tequila, tequila mockingbird. Tequila mockingbird. Tequila mockingbird. So, so got Goddard School, Goddard School Wayne there has a, has some autocorrect going on. Yeah, yeah. I would really like to read Tequila Mockingbird, though. I actually might <laughs> that, that, that does sound good. That does sound <laughs> okay, good. Okay. So on page 102, Mike, I, I remember how last week I showed, or I was talking about how there's some nice, like, little charts in this chapter that explain what the 20th century, oh, yeah. 20th century skills were versus what we need in the 21st century. So in the 20th century, when all of us were in school, unless you're young like Mike, you were, okay. Um, uh, we had clear penmanship. Remember when that used to matter? I don't even know if it mattered when you were in school, Mike, but when I was in elementary school, we actually had handwriting. Handwriting yep. was an actual class. And mm -hmm. I mean, we wrote hundreds and hundreds of every single letter and she would the teacher would circle which ones were good and cross out you know and I mean like it was meticulous like I I have very good handwriting when I take the time to do it because I was so well trained in it but you know how you get sloppy as you get older but I mean so clear penmanship is no longer um, uh, a requirement um, it's not even really necessary as long as you know how to sign your name uh, I find that many students don't know how to sign their name they actually print their name like where it'll say you know, sign, yeah. signature, yeah. and they mm -hmm. actually print their name. And so I think there are perhaps, we have a generation of students who for the, the majority of them do not know how to sign their name. Um, proper spelling and grammar. Remember when that mattered? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah remember oh, that? Yeah. How about um, having a sound vocabulary because we didn't have a thesaurus on our, you know, word. Oh, yeah. On our, we on had our those, little, those little vocabulary oh, books. Oh, so yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of you people here, I think you, I finally, uh, starting, I think starting in fifth grade, yep. you would get those little orange vocabulary books. Yep. yep and ev yep. every week there'd be a vocab test. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Mm -hmm. And we learned, I mean, I used to carry a thesaurus with me and I, it was a little red thesaurus because when I was writing and I was like, Oh, I need to come up with a different word. Now you don't have to, I think I finally got rid of it. But I mean, I had had that since I was in college because, you know, That's writing crazy. required you to be able to, you know, understand synonyms and antonyms. Um, the ability to read written materials, novels, poems, and plays and the ability to write in complete sentences. Are we in agreement mm. that unless you actually write for a living, you don't, I mean, texting, even emails, they're just like bullet points. They're just jotted, you know, um, uh, uh, thoughts, if you will. And so I think that those are the skills that were required in the 20th century. Let me see. We'll talk about um, this entire chapter, but they go on and they tell you what is required in the 21st century. 
Um, they still say to be, you need to be able to use a sound vocabulary, but they do talk in here. This is on page 119. We'll go back and, and fill in all the blanks um, that you don't necessarily need vocabulary from the SAT. You know, that some of that is pretty Correct. ridiculous. Correct. Um, you need to be able to read a wide variety of written materials. So not just novels, poems, critically, and plays, but how about essays and news? And the key word is, you're right, Mike, critically, because mm -hmm. it used to be that anything was published was the truth. And I, I hope everybody Correct. understands that when you see something online, it could be somebody's thought, it could be somebody's idea, somebody's blathering, somebody's blog. It doesn't mean there's any truth in it whatsoever. So if we want to teach a skill that actually matters in today's era, maybe we should teach kids how to read something and then check for evidence and then be able to critically read and analyze the information. I mean, we all you have to do is get on Facebook to recognize that people don't have a clue how to yep. critically read anything at all because they're sharing it as though it's all fact how to check for bias how to check for bias oh absolutely. people don't even people don't even think about that people they people don't. take people take things at face, face value, value. yeah and you used so, to do that yeah. that's a 20th century skill yep. and that's what every one of us were trained to do when we were in school the rest yep. of the 21st century skills communicate clearly across multiple media forms with a range of styles i think that's very important because like when i'm communicating with the superintendent of curriculum in wyoming um in cheyenne i'm gonna email him differently than if I were to just shoot Mike an email. You know what I mean? Like I can be a little more casual with the people that I'm very familiar with, or if I'm my husband and I co-run our business. So if I shoot him an email, the email is usually blank. If I'm attaching something like I don't even waste time saying like, Hey Jim, here's that report you were asked. Like, why would I do, you know what I mean? So being able to, to modify and, and be flexible to be able to form and justify independent, bold, perspectives who you got to be good at that if you're on social media at all mm -hmm. to be able to ask thoughtful questions and to be able to engage in i love this one my constructive debate constructive. wouldn't that wouldn't that be nice hey there's mrs speaky p <laughs> yeah hey, yeah she's great yeah. and i got a shout out to annie annie femright is my um good friend and she is also my editor for all of my my books that I write and all and of my she's here right now she's here she found oh, us so she's joining so nice. us she's joined us a couple weeks so I appreciate her so much she's brilliant if anybody needs an editor uh just let me know because Annie is the best so um so yeah so what do you think Mike um do we have some work to do do you feel feel like we're still stuck in the 20th century model as far as what we're looking for in our language arts so you talked about no longer needing your little pocket thesaurus right because everything's now on the phone when I'm working with my middle school, high school, even some of my elementary age students, mm -hmm. that their school gives them Chromebooks and right. MacBooks now instead of agendas. Sure. They all, you may not, you, you probably, you may know about this. They all have something installed on their computer called Grammarly. Oh, sure. And it is literally spell check right. on steroids. It right. is because ridiculous. it'll correct your grammar too. Correct everything. Well, when I'm typing my book, like I have a new set of handouts coming out this week. And I mean, it's crazy because it will, you know, I just work in Word and it, it's yep. amazing. It'll be like a more concise grammar would be to say it this way. And I'm like, why? Thank you. I feel like I need it's to name my computer. Like, well, thanks, Barb. You know, I appreciate that because um, it's, it's phenomenal what we, what tools we have available. And I mean, literally, Mike, at our fingertips, literally, right? We don't have yeah. to do anything to, to make them work. They're just there for us. And we have that now. Imagine what that's going to be like five years from now, 10 years from now. It and our education system is still going to be teaching the exact same thing in five years. If yeah. somebody doesn't step up yep. and do something, right? We need to take this bull by the horns and shake things up because our education system is dying um, because we have students from the time they're in kindergarten who are uttering the three worst words you can ever hear a student utter. I hate school. And that starts and the anxiety starts, the stomach aches, the headaches, the making up, you know, excuses to not have to go to school. The anxiety um, that is starting in early childhood is yep. I mean, we better start caring about the mental health of, of this generation of children. Because on top of the anxiety that school is producing, um, we have COVID. You know, we are living through a pandemic. And so we better be worried about our pandemic babies and our pandemic toddlers because we know that they um, are going to start school uh, behind the eight ball just because of their, you know, so much trauma and so much um, uh, of the unknown, you know, uh, that has been in their, in their young lives. So it starts with the I hate school. It starts with that. 
And then you start to dig deeper into that internalized anxiety. Right. And then it goes from, I hate this external thing, right. school. And then it becomes, you know what? I'm just not good at school. Right. School I'm dumb. Is, I'm, I'm dumb. Mm-hmm. I'm not good enough. School's just not for me. I'm right. going to become a YouTuber. I'm going to become a video game player. Think how many kids say that at a very young yeah. age. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not good at school. Um, I'm not good at math. How often do you hear that? I'm not no, good at all math. All the time. Right? All the yeah, time. We've been I'm hearing just, that I'm just, forever. I'm just not into writing. I don't no, read. No. I don't Writing's I don't write. not my thing. Writing's yep. not my thing. Yep. So I'm just going to go that ahead. that mental yeah. rigidity. Yeah. We're seeing, we're yeah. seeing, a, and this is what kids uh, are doing now. So they're, so like, so kids today are so black and white, so mentally rigid because they spend no time using their imaginations, both and in school and out. because we don't explicitly focus on executive functions, right? Because Absolutely. one huge component of executive functioning is mental flexibility or cognitive flexibility. And if we, you know, we're raising a generation of children to be so black and white that they're so rigid that there is no um, flexibility. It's like, I'm either good at it or I'm bad at it. And so then there goes the growth mindset, right? So yep. now I'm just, you know, I, I learned helplessness. I just can't, I'm just dumb. I hate school. I'm not good at school. This is a huge issue uh, that is not new. I mean, this is something that's, I think, been brewing for decades. And I think what's happening now is the pandemic is shoving everything into, like, you know, top gear. I mean, we're just seeing huge issues. So on page 103, then, we are talking about um, the world demands that our students be able to write, speak, and present. I love this. As a professional speaker, I couldn't love this more. With precision, skill, and persuasiveness, okay? And then the authors go on to say, by the way, we're doing a terrible job of teaching these most essential skills, okay? So we need to be able to teach them to write. Writing is absolutely essential, and this is the first thing that they're going to talk about in the second half of of chapter four. And so on page 104, it says, it's going to just reiterate, Um, We're routinely surprised at the difficulty some young people have in communicating verbal skills, written skills, and presentation skills. They have difficulty being clear and concise. So what I want y'all to do if you have the book is turn to page 118 because I actually wrote on this page. 118. So we're going to turn to page 118. And this just makes me laugh out loud. Oh, yeah. So here is an excerpt for those of you who are are, um, on with us live who can see this. Here is what the excerpt looks like. And this is from the college AP English exam. Um, It says, read the following passage carefully before you choose your answers. This passage is excerpt excerpted, don't even know that word, from an essay written in the 19th century England. So I'll just read you like four sentences and you guys will want to like leave, okay? It has been well said that the highest aim in education is analogous to the highest aim in mathematics, namely to obtain not results but powers, not particular solutions, but the means by which endless solutions may be wrought. He is the most effective educator who aims less at perfecting specific acquirements than at producing that mental condition which renders acquirements easy and leads to their useful application, who does not seek to make his pupils moral by enjoining particular courses of action, but by bringing into activity the feelings and sympathies that must issue in noble action. Anybody have any idea what, what this excerpt is about? And would you be able to answer questions about it? And that's only like the first, I mean, I read like literally like an eighth of it. Yeah. So um, this is what is going on. Is that, okay, what do they say we need for today? We need verbal skills, written skills, and presentation skills that are clear and concise. So my, question, so my question is for all you chapter chattians out there who, <laughs> who, who read along with us, how many of you actually read that entire excerpt? How many of you read it or skipped over it and said, you know what? The next paragraph will sum it up for me. Right. How, so, how many so, of you read the first four sentences like I just did and was exactly. like, I and then And no then thought idea. that's it. So imagine, no imagine being 16, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old and then being tested on this. So 16, 17, 18, 19 years old not having a fully developed frontal lobe. Right. Fully, yeah, there you go, Callie being nice yep. and honest. And Callie's going to, so my friend Callie at Knight Therapy, this chapter really goes deep into narrative expository She writing. is so amazing. So, if you're not following Knight Therapy, yep. oh my gosh, her post yep. about narrative, like it so blows my mind. It's so outside like my pay grade. I don't even understand half of what, she's amazing. So please she, follow Callie is one of those SLPs who just gets it. She gets it. And she understands the executive functioning connection to language yeah. oh. and, and, the, and the ability to create narrative 
expositories is executive function based. Oh, the planning uh, and the yep. sequencing and everything. everything that's involved in that. Real the metacognition. Quick, Mike, this goes away. My husband is always amazed at how poorly young lawyers write. Can you imagine being so an were these authors and not being able to? I mean, it's just baffling to me. Uh, let me read this real quick, Mike. What is interesting to me, though, is that these difficulties are co-occurring with fingertip technology. Technology is fantastic, but basic fundamental skills are like using an actual dictionary. And those are so important. Yeah, definitely some of those They're previous cool. skills are gone. I, I mean, no doubt about it. But, you know, I used to try to fight it. Like, I remember um, as a speech therapist, I, oh, gosh, and I used to have them right here. But I think I finally, I can't throw them away. I don't know why. I have an issue. But I used to have my um, uh, planners. Do you know what I mean? To write all my schedule, all my appointments. And they were handwritten. And I had these planners. And, I mean, they were my life. And it's how I would go back and do my mileage and, like, my taxes at the end of the year. Like, this was my, my book. And I have them for every year since I've been a speech therapist. I mean, there are stacks of them. And when I finally switched to just using the calendar on my phone, like my scheduling on my phone, it was like, it took me like three years to finally make the change because I was like, I can't give it up. I can't give it up. I can't. And you know what? I have, I, I still, you know what I mean? I've adapted my business and trying to find ways to digitize things, but I agree. There are some skills that, you know, still are important to being taught, but we do have to make sure that children are interested in learning and that they are using the tools that are available. I, I, I'm going to say this again, because I know there are new, new followers on here. Um, I have an autistic son and in school they have spent years and years trying to teach him long division. And after years and years of it, I just keep saying in the IEP meetings, why can't you just teach him how to do it on his phone? He always has his phone with him. Teach him to use a calculator. Having my son do long division is not a skill that is ever going to benefit him. He's never going to use it in real life. And so this is where we're saying, you know, with the, the movement or the, 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 the innovation era that, era that we live in, maybe we need to relook at what skills are worth causing kids to hate school over, you know, and what skills should we, mm -hmm. or, you know, what tasks can we mm -hmm. say? Those have been digitized now. We have this ability. So, so, we, so we look at two different things here. Number one, the, we have the issues with screens and we now live in a screen-based world. And number two, we have all of these difficulties with education. So everyone agrees, the majority of people agree screens are a problem especially for child development and they're dangerous for kids and also number two people agree that massive education reform is needed but yes. people always people always say you know it's 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 the screens no right. it's education it's the screens it's a so combination think, so yeah. think so think about screens and this instant gratification screen-based world we live in as basically the final straw of what's happened here so this book is showing us just how long education reform has been needed right so for centuries now it's been the same education system absolutely yep. so this is an ongoing problem but right. screens now have created this world where kids are able to get instant gratification instantly right in the in the past at least kids were going outside and riding having, their bikes and yeah. riding their mm -hmm. bikes and having experiences and learning right. through failure and learning through stress and we and we had to go out and find ways to get gratification and we were bored but, so and we, we were bored how to deal with boredom boredom exactly. is no longer a thing because if kids ever have two seconds um of, of free time they don't get bored because they immediately go to their video games or they go exactly. to youtube or whatever so, it is. so so we so our generation we developed resiliency Resiliency is a true executive function skill. And people think of resiliency and they think of like Rocky and being able to knock someone out and being strong. No, resiliency is the ability to persist through boredom. It's through as, boredom, simple, as, it's as simple as that. Tasks. Yeah, you're, you're, tasks. you're resilient if you can go through a boring task without whipping your phone out and you can yeah. use your imagination. That's resiliency. It's, it's right. you know, child-sized. We talked about child-sized so, adversity. adversity. Yep. There's also child-sized resiliency. And, and we at least had the I ability and we had these experiences to develop these things. So school has been bad way before screens became an Came issue. Right, screens right. are just the final straw where yeah. it's now, okay, here's a, a, an entire generation of kids who can't self-soothe, who right. can't self-regulate, who can't persist through a non-preferred yeah. task. Yeah. And school is the biggest non-preferred task yeah. of them all. Yep. Um, I'm going to just share two books and I have a whole shelf of them, but I'm just going to share two of them. The Tech Wise Family. If you are looking for something as a parent 
that will help you understand how to raise children in the digital age. I couldn't love this more. It's a little book. You see, it's small. You see, it's like the size of my head. So it's not a huge book. I love this book. But Mike, I just got this one and it just came in the mail. And I don't know. I haven't read it. So I'm not like, uh, I'm just, I just, I'm tickled about it. It's called Disconnected. How to Protect Your Kids from the Harmful Effects of Device Dependency. Mm. So are you ordering ready. books and not telling me? Yes, this one just came. Mike. I'm like, because I'm like, we may have to do a screen time book. I'm gonna, we're um, we're, we're gonna have to, and let you know if this is worth doing because this is um, a newly released one, 2020, which I really like. You know, getting some of that newer um, material that is really being um, written in the digital age, as opposed to picking something you know that was written 10 years ago when the mm-hmm. iPad was just being released. So. I'm excited to read this um, either one, but I'm telling you this one, you guys, again, if you're, if you're looking for something, because we know that um, technology is addictive. And in my screen time course, we go into the dopamine squirts and how absolutely addicting um, instant gratification is. And so it's not um, really a discussion about, is it addictive? We know it is. Now we are, can we write a COVID book, please? Yeah, I think there's (laughs) going to be some writings coming out about our pandemic um, generation. I really do because Man, oh, you guys have so much, so much to talk about. So mm-hmm. anyway, screen time, you're right, is, is a huge issue and something that um, is coinciding with an inept education system that is driven by the test developers, right? So yeah, oh. and, 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 this, and this COVID quarantine showed us so much about what we did in the past and why it doesn't make sense anymore in today's world. Right. You know, all right. of the, you know, all of the pollution and all of the spending and all of this and the focus on this. And, the, and now, you know, it kind of simplified things to us. Right. That year that kids spent online, that year that they were doing these and parents were able to see firsthand what was happening because parents were home too. Are yep. we just going to get through this quarantine now that we're back in person and keep education the same way? Hopefully not. Hopefully because because I got to tell you, watching yeah. my son, and again, my son is in special education because he's autistic, but watching, I mean, pretty much what every teacher had him do was watch a YouTube video of a yep. science experiment and watch yep. a YouTube video of a history lesson. I was so baffled. I was like, I just, I, I, I don't even, I don't even have words to describe how little teaching actually happened because it was mm-hmm. just go watch this. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm, I'm concerned. I think that um, any of the people who are joining us uh, maybe have some general concerns. About and they're education. teaching the, and they're teaching the skills that don't even matter. Like the English class, they, they pinpointed it perfectly. So in English class, kids are learning all these morphological they're learning about all like uh, onomatopoeia and yeah. all these mm-hmm. and all these things that they don't need for life. Right. Why right. are kids not learning how to write for a real audience? Right. Write That's, about things they know and care about. Let's talk about writing, Mike. On page one hundred and five, I love this so much because um, they talk about the nation's report card. And on page one hundred and seven, mm-hmm. they actually give that twenty-one percent of students. This is the two thousand eleven nation's report card in twelfth grade. So we're talking seniors, okay? Twenty-one um, percent were below basic in writing skills. Fifty-two percent had very basic writing skills. Twenty-four percent were proficient, and only three percent of our nation's seniors were advanced in their writing skills. I mean, I don't even. I don't even know what to say about this, okay? And I love so much, and I have it, like, underlined and starred. Um, it's on page 110. It said that um, – oh, I just – oh, I have so many things starred on this. I just can't even. So um, infants – okay, so they talk about how um, when you have kids do, like, structured writings in school. So at the top of page 110, it says, write a letter to your local council members arguing for or against the building of a big discount store in your area. Support your argument and defend it against the arguments the opposing side might make. And they go on to say, hardly what we'd call inspiring. I mean, can you imagine being 17 years old and being asked to write about, um, you know, whether or not to put a freaking Walmart in on the, on the corner, you know, of your, of your street. And so I, I love that they say, um, would it, would it be better to maybe ask them to write about something they actually care about, something that is relevant to their interests, right, to things that they're passionate about? And, and they go on to say, and this is what I love about these authors, is that they actually um, address the obstacle before we have a chance to call them out on it. And I appreciate that so much. They say, Mm -hmm. of course, you don't always get to write about what you care about. So they acknowledge it right up front. But here's what they say, you guys, and this is powerful. But infants don't learn to speak by saying essentially meaningless paragraphs that have no purpose to a blank wall. They learn to speak because they have something to say. 
something mm. to communicate to someone who cares to hear them speak. Writing is exactly the same. This is the premise behind the writer's workshop approach to writing instruction, and it is the reason why it is so successful. So instead mm. of focusing solely on the mechanics of writing, which is primarily what language arts is all about, is the mechanics of writing, why don't we start focusing on letting students want to write by saying you can pick whatever topic my son would absolutely pick writing about animals or writing about NASCAR. Those are his two um, uh, uh, special interests right now. So if he could write about wild animals or NASCAR, my kid would write you a novel. He would write yep. you so much. But if you tell yep. him he has to write about Pluto or about, you know, some mountain somewhere, he'll give you the bare minimum because it's yep. not relevant and meaningful to his life. So do we want to teach kids how to write or do we want to teach them, tell them what to write? Because it seems that our education system is all about teaching them what to write. So far, that right there on 110, that is the quote of the book. Isn't that it? Is, that, that is just, that's, un, infants so, don't learn, infants? Yeah. unbelievable. Infants learn to speak because they have something to say, something to communicate to someone who cares to hear them speak. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's look what I look, look, look at all the stars I got Truth. here. Truth. Yep. Absolutely. That's, yeah. That is just, it's unbelievable. And you think about that. Yeah. How does a child acquire language? So that's a natural process that, you know, the, the, obviously the vast majority of students go through was they, they attain the ability, they acquire language. And language acquisition is, is something that's always fascinated right. me. One of the things oh. that brought me to this field. That's why we're in this I, field. Yeah. I, love this, I love language acquisition. And why do they learn to speak? It's a natural thing. So that, that's what school needs to focus on. Right. Kids acquire language because they have something to say. They need to express themselves. And it's the ex so, so think about this. They learn to speak because they have something to say, something to communicate to someone who cares to hear them. When, show me a student today who goes to school and thinks that their voice is valued. Right. Think about that. Who, what student goes into school and thinks that what they, and thinks that they can be heard there. Right. The right. ability to be heard, the ability to feel like you can talk and someone can listen is almost a lost art for these kids. Absolutely. They know they, they know they have to go in, they got to take great notes. They have yep. to sit still. They have to follow the rules and yep. they have to memorize everything so that they can get an A on the test. So Absolutely. they don't get detention or get in trouble or get their screen time taken away. Or get away. their recess taken or away. Or get their yeah. recess taken mm -hmm. away even worse. Mm -hmm. But it's yep. absolutely yep. ridiculous. Okay. So I just wrote a note so I wouldn't forget it because I have this horrible thing where I'm thinking about nine other things. But oh, yeah. So as a speech therapist who specializes in apraxia, I always say that in order to get better at speaking, you have to practice speaking right the mm. only way to get better at talking is to practice talking it doesn't do any good to strengthen you know your articulators with oral motor exercises like if you want to get better at talking you must practice talking and i truly believe the same thing falls here if you want to get better at writing you have to practice there you go writing okay absolutely and somewhere in this chapter um uh and uh, oh here it is yeah on page 112 and i actually wrote i have to show you mike because I want to know if those of you who are following along, who are with us tonight, do you write in your books? Because I've started not just highlighting, but writing. And I wrote mind blown. Okay. So on page 112, it says, um, in chapter seven, you'll learn. So I can't wait for chapter seven. You'll learn about schools where students write in every single class, not just their English classes. You'll also learn about much more valuable and motivating approaches to assessing writing through jury digital portfolios. Like I can't wait to read chapter seven now, but I love this idea. Instead of saying that writing is just for English, you know, language arts, we just write in our language arts class, our English class, we should be writing in every single class. And every single teacher should be focusing on the written word, okay? Instead of saying we work on that one, one, one class per day, right? Yeah. Ugh. So, so uh, I love when speech and language have their little correlations here. So yeah. you were talking about apraxia. You want to practice speech. You need to practice speech. You want to mm -hmm. practice speaking. You got to practice speaking. Right. Well, same exact thing with executive functioning. Do you want to get you better, Adam? Yep. You want to practice regulation? Practice regulation. You want to practice motivation, practice motivation. Mm -hmm. You want to get better at time management, right. practice time management. Absolutely. So, and it all goes back to how many non-screen-based activities does your yep. child do in a given day? That's if right. They're, if, if they're participating 
in instant gratification, if yep. they're participating in dysregulating activities, right. how, how are all kids, regardless of age, 18 right. or below, how are they after two hours straight on an iPad? Right. Pr pretty, pretty, ir pretty, pretty irritating, no. aren't they? No, they so are. there you go. Yeah. So they're practicing um, dysregulation. Yeah. I always, one of the things that I, if, I, I, I would love for parents to do is to get in the habit of not giving their children a screen in the car. I truly believe children should be able to ride 15 minutes to Walmart or 20 minutes to daycare or 30 minutes to grandma's house or wherever it is you're going without having to be entertained. One of my biggest concerns with very young children, because I'm an early intervention provider with very young children today, is that they truly believe they need to be entertained every waking second of the yep. day. And yep. I'm telling you right now that the ability to wait, here's the sign for wait. You wiggle your fingers in front of you. That's the sign for wait. The ability to wait is a life skill and the executive yep. function is inhibitory control. Being able to inhibit yourself, being able to wait patiently while you're in line at the grocery store or while you're sitting at a red light or while you're waiting for construction, you know, in the car. I I'm so concerned about this generation of children who feel the need to be entertained every second, every weekend second of the day. Cause then when they go to daycare or preschool and they have to wait for the teacher to, you know, pass out the snack or wait for their turn. It, what, do they really think the teacher is going to get their phone out of their purse and hand it to a student? Because I'm telling you right now, that's not going to happen. So we are setting children up for absolute failure in the structured classroom setting when we allow them to have um, uh, ever, you know, never-ending uh, uh, access to yeah. screens. And this takes us right back to that famous marshmallow test. Oh. Of, how, of how that was done, that instant yeah. gratification test. Old-fashioned parenting. I like old that a lot. Oh, th there you go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly, you know, this instant gratification world. And, you know, we describe it as waiting. But like yep. I said before, it's about resiliency. It's child-size resiliency. Doing non-preferred tasks. Can you, can you wait? Can you be resilient? Can you delay gratification? Right. Can you use your imagination? Can you have an internal dialogue happening? Right. Can you use your internal language? Can you do all those things? Can you have resilient? And it's no wonder kids don't want to read because right. their, their brains are not used to being de-stimulated. Your brain, brains need to take a chill pill yes. while you read. Think about it. You can't yeah. be so hyped up reading. You got to sit and focus and relax. Right. And if in the brain, what we know is the neural pathways that are not used will get pruned, right? If you don't use mm -hmm. it, you lose it. So my mm -hmm. huge concern when we're talking about brain development and 85% of the core structures of the brain are developed by age three. Yep. Did everybody hear that? Before we put three candles on the birthday cake, 85% of the core structures of the brain are already formed. Synaptic connect connections happen at a rapid rate through age three. We're not saying brain development stops at age three, but we're mm -hmm. saying the majority of it happens by age three. So you guys, what we do before they ever even go to school is what matters most for brain development. So if we're not teaching infants and toddlers to wait, right, not encouraging them to engage in um, self-play, right? Where they are, you know, just laying in their crib, you in, in the playpen, wherever, where they're in the cart at Walmart and you're not giving them their phone. Just, if we could just get parents to stop handing them the phone every time the child squawks. It used to be we handed them Cheerios, okay? It used to be mm. we fed them. The minute they squawked, we stuck fruit snacks or Cheerios. Now we don't even take food with us. We used to actually like pack food. Now we just are like, oh, as long as I have my phone, I'll just shove the phone in their face. And it is, this comes from an early intervention SLP, it is the shut up toy. So my biggest concern is we have all these parents concerned that their toddler isn't talking, and yet they are forever handing them the shut-up toy. So yep, you can't yep. give a, a language learner a shut-up toy and expect them to learn language. So if we could change, like Mike and I say over and over every week, when we talk about education reform, the reform actually needs to start in early childhood. We can't start Absolutely. in high school and work backwards. We need to do forwards chaining, not backwards chaining. I'm just, we're both convinced that it has to start in early childhood. And as a, an early intervention provider, I think it actually starts with parent education, you know, in that birth to three window. So that's my two cents worth. It, absolutely. And we talked before about these kids saying, I hate school. And then it becomes the fix, it, advance, it advances to the negative fixed mindset of right. I'm just not a school I'm person. Dumb. School is I'm not, not just for me. Not my thing. And yeah. when does that happen? That happens in early childhood 
when yeah. you have a student in early childhood who starts to have anxiety about school, starts to have a fixed mindset towards mm -hmm. school, starts to really recognize that school is not for me. I'm just not good at it. Right. Good luck. Good luck fixing that for the later years. Right. You're going to have 12 years of stress, anxiety, and negative thinking. If you're not fixing that in pre-K, K, and one, yeah. you're, you're, in, you're in for it. Yeah. Oh, I agree completely. I mean, everything, uh, people are making a lot of comments about, you know, parent education, parent education. I mean, it's everything from, you know, again, as an early intervention provider, even though I'm speech, I have to, as an EI provider, I have to understand all of child development. One of my things is I'm like, parents have to understand that like containers, containerizing infants is developmentally inhibiting. So if you don't educate parents, there's all these containers available. There's bouncy seats and there's bumbo seats and there's swings and there's all these containers. So everybody thinks, oh, I just need all these containers for my baby. Whereas those of us who understand brain and child development will tell you, we don't need containers. The main container, really the only one you desperately need is a car seat for safety when the baby is riding in the car, but it should never come out of the car because it's a car seat. It's not a baby holding because when it becomes a baby holder, it becomes a development inhibitor. So parent education is where this needs to start. And I'm going to call them out here and just say, this actually has to start with pediatricians. Because sure the, the number one person that a new parent will listen to over anyone else in the whole wide world is their oh, I've, pediatrician. I've learned so, that. So, um, you know, my goal as a professional speaker uh, is to someday speak to the American Academy of Pediatrics, because I think this mm. is a huge issue is that our pediatricians are not talking about the importance of boredom, the importance of not handing your child a screen for emotional regulation, the importance of play-based movement uh, for children with developing brains and bodies. So I think there should be an SLP, a PT, and an OT um, in every pediatrician's office, you know, and, and parents should have to visit them for five minutes during every well baby check. That's if I ran the world, that's what I would do. So th there you have it, people. Let's all, let's get this chapter <laughs> chat, grassroots community. Let's get Carrie Ebert in front of the American Academy Seriously. of Pediatrics. It and, needs and, to happen. And, and now, ever since I've been in this field, I have really learned how many pediatricians, people with the doctor label, are really just not paying attention. And nope. some, I, I have worked with students, students that have, have come to my practice or I've read their IEP and it's pediatrician recommended this. Yep, Dr. Yep. So-and-so recommended this. And I was like, what, like, was this person in a rush? Were they not, <laughs> were they not paying attention? Right. It's unbelievable. Like, and, and you know, Finland has this culture where they respect uh, uh, teachers so much. Teachers are right. so well-respected. Right. In America, it's the doctor. It's the person with right. the doctorate, with the PhD, yes. with the doctor in front of their name. Right. Well, guess what? A lot of doctors today don't really know what the hell they're talking about, well, especially when it comes to executive functioning. Well, let's be clear, though. A pediatrician is, in essence, a generalist. They are there to make sure the baby is, their head circumference is growing, their yep. height and weight are at its, you know, that they're vaccinated, all of that. We, as, as an SLP, OTs, occupational therapists, physical therapists, we are what are called specialists. We are Correct. not generalists. We are specialists. And so when a parent says, I'm really concerned, my 18-month-old isn't talking yet, and the pediatrician who is a generalist says, let's just wait and see. Let's give him six months and see how he's doing. I have a real issue with that, okay? Because you're not the specialist. What you should do is refer to a specialist who would be a speech language pathologist to determine if this is a delay and the child may catch up with proper stimulation, or if there is looking like there are, you know, some concerns regarding atypical development, at which point therapy and, and intervention is indicated. So I don't understand why generalists are making the call. And again, you nailed it, Mike. It's because everybody thinks doctors are the be all end all That's it. Um, to, to understanding child development. And yet, do you know how much training doctors get on speech and language development on communication disorders. I had a pediatrician in one of my apraxia courses. She was a mom whose son was just diagnosed with apraxia of speech. So she came to my session as a pediatrician and she came up at the break and told me we get one to two days on communication disorders. And that's birth through geriatric. Two days is what they get. And you think that the doctor is going to know if there is a concern about communication development? No, no, no. They're a generalist. They're not a specialist so and even some of the specialist doctors out there you know there's so many things like you can specialize in adolescence 
but there's so many things that are plaguing adolescents. Even the specialists get one to two days or, uh-huh. you know, a month or two on like ADHD right. and executive functioning. The, 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 one of the biggest things that I see as an SLP who specializes in executive functioning is typically when you have ADHD, when you have executive dysfunction, typically you're going to have what seems like anxiety. And, it, and, and when you have these oh. gray, you have these mm-hmm. gray areas, yes, a, a, a vast majority of kids with ADHD and executive dysfunction have anxiety, but they also have, they also can't self-regulate. Right. They also can't self-motivate. They also want to stick to their comfort zone. There, yes. Look, <laughs> I got to show you something. I have this sticky note on my lamp right here. Are you ready for this? Now, nobody can read my writing because I scribbled it. But Mike, these are your words. Can you read it? There you have it. There you it have it. It says, my little sticky note, self-regulation, self-motivation, self-evaluation, and self-talk. And these, this is, these are Mike's words. And Mike is like my bestie who I've never met in real life because we live like 1,200 miles apart. But um, his words, I just, I finally, I just put the post-it note because it's been sitting on my desk and I'm always worried I'm going to lose it. So it's right there on my lamp now so that I can always see it because those words, as a parent of an autistic teenager, I am just telling you, those are the primary struggles. And That's yet it. he's never had a goal on his IEP that addressed any of those. Okay. So um, if you have never been with us before, if this is your first time on Chapter Chat, just know that I am what I would call a newbie to the executive function world, but it has already changed my entire professional focus, my entire professional, like, uh, just career, because now this is like what I talk to everybody about. I post about it. I did a post today on Instagram and Facebook about the power of using storybooks in um, speech language therapy sessions. And one of the, the points was that uh, books that uh, literacy-based intervention uh, facilitates executive function development, okay? So, I mean, I've learned so much about how important executive function is for speech and language development. So thank you yeah. for everything yeah. that you have taught me in uh, the past, past year. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so basically, someone just asked what the words are. So depending on who you look at, you can look at Russell Barkley, you can look at Sarah Ward, you can look yep. at McCloskey, all the big name guys. You can guys. look at Michael McLeod. And, and there, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Did and, I say uh, your last name right now? Yeah, McLeod. Yeah, that's uh, it. Yeah. I yep. thought it's, that was it. Okay. It's spelled weird, McLeod. It yeah. is. How do people say it? I'm curious. What <laughs> oh, do they call it's you? my entire life. I've gotten a lot of uh, McLeod. Yeah, McCle- that's phonetically yeah. how it McC- looks. Yeah. yeah. I'm just used to spelling it now for people. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> that's so how it works. It is Michael McLeod. Okay. Michael McLeod. That's what I call you. So I'm like, I better make sure that's actually right. I call you my friend. I don't even know how to say your name. That's all good. And uh, so, so basically, whoever you, uh, whoever you look at, they are going to have their own definition for executive functioning, and they're going to have their own list of what the executive skills are. Like, for example, Peg Dawson, the famous book, Smart But Scattered, her list of executive function skills is like an entire chapter. It, it, time management, organization, task initiation, task persistence task completion. It's just a huge list of skills, but really we're looking at self-regulation and the ability to regulate your emotions, your language, your body, your behavior in various environments towards various stimuli. Yep. Self-motivation towards any and all non-preferred tasks and self-evaluation and the ability to learn from past experiences and apply it to the present. And those three core EF skills, regulation, motivation, and evaluation, are founded upon what I refer to as internal language, right. nonverbal and verbal working memory, working together in harmony, the Absolutely. ability to visualize and sense to yourself, and then, and then verbal working memory, the ability to talk to yourself. Right. So, so it's internal. Executive function skills are internal. Internal not, language. That's not my ex- favorite term you use. Right? Yep. Not external like it was in the past with the attention deficit, the hyperactivity, right. the inattentiveness. Right. Kids who can't sit still, kids who can't focus. This is it's your internal, internal language. Internal. And right. that's exactly right. what it is. So we were talking about pediatricians and their terrible advice. So <laughs> overall. So, but I, I work with so many kids in my clinic and we know kids with ADHD and kids with uh, executive dysfunction have difficulty regulating and motivating fact and they create these small little comfort zones of things that they are willing to do so uh, a lot of parents you know i'm helping them to expand the horizon expand the comfort zone have more non-screen based activities 
and the, the kids will do it and they'll have anxiety and they'll have some negative pushback and some behaviors the first couple of times. And all of these doctors that are also work with these students are basically uh, telling these parents, oh, just take them out, Let, make them stop doing it. It's, it's too much anxiety, don't, don't take them out of it. Don't, don't make them do that <laughs> task. Don't make them do that task anymore. Their anxiety is going up. I'll have to give them a little bit more milligrams of this or a little bit more oh, milligrams of oh, that. More it's a How about we let a child persist through a non-preferred task and allow it to internalize as a strength instead right. of pulling them out at the first sign of struggle. Because you have to be able to fail and then bounce back. Because my example of how I explain resiliency is with a bouncy ball. You know those little rubber bouncy balls? Yep. So yep. when in life, you are always going to fall to the ground. You are always, every day, you're going to screw up and you're going to fall to the ground. Resiliency is when the ball comes back to you and you get another chance to bounce yep. again. And so that's how I visual, because I'm a big believer. I'm, I'm a visual learner so for me having like you know some some ways to explain that that are more like tangible for parents it can be helpful somebody did just say total respect to all pediatricians i agree we're not trying to slam pediatricians are i mean it's crazy they're overworked and because they're in the medical model they have to so many so many patients per hour to get paid i mean we mike and i are in no way trying to like slam on pediatricians here. especially so especially our healthcare heroes out there oh and everybody 100 percent i'm yeah I'm, you know so speaking speaking in, speaking in absolutes here yeah you know, yeah Carrie, we're not Carrie, trying to do that so thank yeah. you for calling us out on that yes. because that is not what we're trying to do i Correct. don't ever want people to think that we think we're somehow better or more skilled Correct. or more apt you know adept at, at, than pediatricians that's not what we're saying. We just wish we could partner with them and yes. help them to see that we actually have a skill set that nobody else on the planet has, you know, as speech language pathologists. And so um, just a real quick, uh, I did a new um, webinar on executive function in early childhood. So somebody asked, they had typed and it's gone now, but at what age, like what grade can you start writing executive function goals? You guys, we should be writing them in early childhood. I mean, there is no, it's not like we wait till they're in third grade or until seventh grade. So we need to be addressing this early on. In my new webinar, which will be available as a self-study course in November, um, I actually used um, Harvard's uh, Developing Child uh, yep. uh, uh, website. And they the have Harvard so Center. many oh, mm -hmm. evidence-based documents. And so they actually... Um, talk about three executive functions that all of those skills can fit into working memory, inhibitory control and mental flexibility. And so it was really fascinating for me, again, as a newbie to this whole executive function world to really see the power of um, being able to focus explicitly teaching executive function skills through play-based learning. And so it, we should be starting this in early childhood. I'm talking when they're two, three, four years old. Um, so it's nothing that we wait on. And that's why, again, if Mike and I could run the world, we would actually create a curriculum that explicitly teaches executive function skills instead of in the past, what we've, and currently what we do is we, we call them soft skills and they're not mm. explicitly taught. Um, but they are just assumed that kids are going to have this. So then when they have challenging behaviors, we call it a behavior problem instead of calling it executive dysfunction. Okay. Yep. So um, we are seeing somebody asked what the three areas from the Harvard um, document were. So they're working memory, inhibitory control, and mental flexibility. Okay. Um, and it says in the Harvard document, in most real life situations, these three functions are not entirely distinct, but rather they work Correct. together to produce Correct. competent executive functioning. Yes. So in my new webinar, which again, will be available in November, you guys, I just, because I'm an early childhood provider, because Mike works primarily with like middle school, high school, college age students, and yep. I'm the exact opposite. I'm like birth to three, birth to five. I don't, I've never worked with kids over age five. So for me, but I have a son who is seven, he's going to be 17 next week, you guys. He has a birthday next week and he's autistic. And I didn't even know he has severe executive dysfunction, um, but it's never been targeted. So um, now we are really changing our focus here at home and really trying to help him. Um, so it's, it's, I just, Mike, I, I know I don't thank you enough, but you have taught me so much. Have we known each other about a year, do you think? I think, I think so. You and, I, you and I did, yeah, we did an Instagram live. Uh -huh. It all started with an Instagram live and, yep. and, and, and here we are. We, we, just, we just couldn't get enough of each other. No, it's, fan, <laughs> it's fabulous. We just, oh, I don't yeah. even know. I don't it's, even know. Match made in great. heaven. I love it. I love yeah. it. So, all right, Mike. So we only got through like page I know. 11. So can we do chapter four again? We'll finish it next week. I promise. We, I mean, there's still like 
40 pages left. Good Lord. But well, let's page, try to finish Page 141, week. 142, and 143 are key for all you people that have the book with you. Okay. That oh. is, that is, so those are the okay. pages right there. And that there. makes me so happy because yeah. they actually outline it in a way that makes sense. So those I, are, those are the executive, they I, basically okay. list yep. executive functioning skills. But they don't so call them that. And that's exactly. what me. And over and over. And that's the, and never... it's the exact same thing with the Harvard Center. You know, nope. like, you know, it's, it's really, you know, all based on, you know, the bias and, and, right. and, you know, like, you know, working memory, you know, Sarah Ward says it best, all executive functioning starts with nonverbal Work. working right. memory right. and working memory is the foundation of executive function of right. executive functioning. It is. And you have to be able to inhibit and call on your working memory right. and mental flexibility is a fancy word for mental play. You're right. playing. You're playing in your head. You're being flexible. Right. You're planning, prioritizing, problem solving, and right. coming up with and multiple, that's where all the organization multiple scenarios comes comes in. So yeah, exactly. I I just I have become a totally different therapist, a totally different parent since meeting you, Mike. And I just I I can't appreciate what you've taught me. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, I am putting I my little it. purple sticky note on page one eleven because that's where we're going to pick up. Um, next week. So we're going to actually do three weeks on chapter four. And then I promise we will move on because this was a crazy long chapter, but I hope you guys thought it was useful. I mean, I feel like there was a lot to dig into this week. Oh, we had a lot of, I, I am loving the engagement. You know, I, yeah. you know, we may not get to every single comment, but I'm telling you guys, I read every single Absolutely. comment. Sometimes Absolutely. the conversation gets a little passionate, but I'm reading it. I can multitask. We are so, passionate. But, and I yeah. think that's why we get along because that's right. That's um, right. Uh, if anything, I think if people were to describe me, passionate is the word. I, um, I, I don't, I don't hold back. So I am headed to Nebraska tomorrow. I'm going to go speak to 200 early childhood professionals wow. uh, at, um, in a little tiny town called York, Nebraska. So that is where I'm headed tomorrow. And um, you are the next back week, on the move. I am. I am on the move. Then the next week I go to Kentucky. And then the week after that, where do I go? Oh, I am gone. Like I, I'm back to almost traveling every week again. So I had, I went 570 days without traveling because of the pandemic. And now I am back. So it is. Exciting, and then, but... and then I guess after the giants beat the chiefs, Oh, then I'll be you'll, going to you'll be Pennsylvania, coming, baby. You'll be coming to Pennsylvania. <laughs> and, and you and I can deal with these annoying I can't Eagles wait. fans I can't together. Wait. I actually hope the Chiefs win and you have to come here because I've been wanting to turn one of our guest rooms into a nursery. So I someday hope to be a grandma. So it would be perfect if I could make your sweet daughter um, a little nursery. So I'm oh. kind of hoping that it happens that way. Trust me, as a Giants fan, the Chiefs <laughs> are going – the Chiefs – the game will be over in five minutes. Oh. Patrick, if, if, if you play fantasy out there, play every Kansas City Chief you own. My, play Tyreek Hill, play concerned. Travis Kelsey. I'm concerned because as an Iowa Hawkeye fan, because that's where I went to college, University of Iowa, we lost so bad last week. It was embarrassing. My husband and I are both like, okay, I just can't watch football for a week. But it's so in our blood. We just can't. I'm like, mm. yeah, people are saying, like, come to California. Come to South Carolina. I'll Indiana. Let's I'll do come it. anywhere you want. Do Mike, it. Come anywhere you want. All you got to do go. is, is find an agency to bring us out because this is what we do. We speak. We travel. We, um, we educate. So this is kind of our passion now. So we appreciate you guys, Mike. I appreciate you so much. Uh, you take care. And then let me know if we're going to do next Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. We'll figure it out, okay? Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. All right. Go football. All right. Yeah, we'll that's talk to you right. later. Bye, See you guys. guys. Soon.